Hello, and welcome to the Revenue Marketing Report powered by Caliber Mind. I'm your host, Kamala Thompson, and today I'm thrilled to introduce Libby Covington. Libby, tell us a little bit about yourself. Good morning. Hi, my name is Libby Covington, and I'm a partner with the firm, The Craig Group. And we're a consulting firm that um, focuses on um, go-to-market strategy and execution for portfolio companies of private equity. So we're all about growth. But my background, um, my my background before that was mainly in-house in B2B companies running marketing departments. I formed and um, launched three different marketing departments in three different B2B companies over the years. So I have over 25 years experience, kind of all B2B. So glad to be here today. Fantastic. Thank you for being here. And I'm really excited to talk about this topic. If anybody follows me on social media, you know, I've been really excited about it. So I'm going to start with like a, a softball question to you that you're going <laughs> to knock out of the park. So I've grown up in tech, particularly startups. And what I've noticed is B2B doesn't seem to adjust quite as quickly to changes in uh, decision makers, buyer committees, all of those good things. Would you agree with that? And if you spotted any particular trends lately? Yeah. So um, let me start by saying, you know, I, I've never personally worked in B2C, but we do have some clients that are in B2C. So starting right there, you know, I think the B2C community has been way ahead of the B2B community for many years in kind of, um, you know, digital go-to-market, like what, what's happening in terms of informing your buyer? I mean, people call it the Amazonification of all of us at all ages, right? So, I mean, if you're making a decision on a product or service, you want all the information at your fingertips. I mean, you think back to 15, 20 years ago, or even 10 years ago, you couldn't quickly look at the prices for products, you know, next door to each other on, on a screen. And now you can easily. So we all get used to that in our day-to-day. Couple that with the change in the in-house structure of the decision makers, which are now more than 50% millennials um, in B2B companies. Uh, and that is, uh, they are they, they make decisions differently with more of a group mindset, with more of a, um, and I think B2B is a complex sell anyway, depending on what you're selling. I mean, it, it's not just touching one department, it's not just one buyer. Uh, so if you might be talking to finance, you might be talking to sales, you might be talking to operations, within a company and definitely finance if it's a big ticket item is always going to be involved. So, I mean, I tell some of our clients that, you know, when you're, when you're drafting your materials, when you're, when you're thinking about how to talk to your clients, you need to definitely be thinking of all the different stakeholders um, throughout the buying process and in and, and the funnel. So that I would say that those are the things that we're seeing is that B2B is becoming more like B2C in terms of um, the expectations that the buyers have. Um, they, they're used to it in their personal life of seeing things be laid out very clearly, very simply, very cleanly, and they expect that in their work life. And I think that most companies, because it's a very, we're not selling Levi's jeans, we're not selling, you know, a, a simple product. We're selling if it is software, or if it is an industrial service, or any kind of B two B service that's tech enabled, or, or really anything. Um, uh, they it's hard to explain it as simply as you can just, here's a product for 1999. So we have to think of that though, as, as marketers and as business owners, like how do we tell our story in a very clean way so that our, our potential buyers really understand our differentiators and, um, and they want full transparency. That's the other thing. 
I am just having so many thoughts pop into my head because I'm thinking <laughs> of platforms like G2 that very Amazon-like experience, right? You have the reviews, you have the side-by-side -side comparisons. Mm -hmm. I think in some ways we're moving in that direction, but what I've seen since my very earliest in my career growing up in B2B is that a lot of times smaller companies prioritize building out their sales team oh, first absolutely. because uh, cold prospecting brute force, you know, their brand awareness was nil. So they were going to accomplish their sales through brute force. And um, I read a stat recently where 43% of buyers would prefer not to interact with sales at all in B2B specifically. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of scary. Yeah. So what are you seeing? Are you kind of seeing a dynamic flip in, um, well, if you could pound thing one thing into the CEO or founder's brain, what would it be? I think I think it would definitely, and I totally agree with you. And and I think, you know, in the past, that approach of hiring a good sales team is really good. But I was just talking to a CEO earlier this week, and he said, you know, look, um, he's he's new to this organization. He's like, sales has had some success. They can't even really point to how they've had this success, right? Um, because it's and and you you kind of run out of the ability to have success by just saying, you know, put us on the good list. Um, you know, that that's only a certain number of clients uh, or customers that you can do that way. If you want to scale and grow bigger, you have to have more processes and a, a real strategy of how are you going to attract these people into your funnel, you know, these potential buyers. And you might have to expand your products or services. You might have to change your geographic outlook. I mean, it's all about what, how you want to grow, where you want to grow, when you want to grow. But what I think the main takeaway that I would say to founders is you can't, you can't do it with sales alone in today's world. It has to be sales and marketing combined. And when I say marketing, I mean what we talk about demand gen, lead gen, inbound. You know, so in other words, your sales team has, I think some of the skill sets have changed because of the fact that no one wants to talk to a salesperson. Um, and I'm 43%, that's not no one. Um, but uh, you know, the lot of people don't want to talk to a salesperson. You have to really make sure that that you have some of your salespeople are farmers and some are hunters. The farmers are the ones that can take the, the inbound leads and, you know, inside sales and really take people through the funnel that are very data-driven, that are doing their research, that aren't, you know, all the way down. And there are, you know, where your hunters might be the ones that just go out and close or, you know, but I think some salespeople that have gotten, I mean, I had this in my own career where I was at an industrial company where sales had never, ever been given leads their entire, I mean, a lot of people had been there 20 years. There were never leads given them that, that made any sense. In the old days, digital leads were something that you bought and they were just garbage. And they were given to like 10 other companies and, and they were Oh yeah, cold list, start yeah, calling cold list. down. Mm -hmm. Right, so they, they didn't believe that marketing could give leads. So when we actually were doing, you know, true targeted ABM inbound legion and they were getting good leads, they were like, whoa, what? You know, I mean, for the longest time they didn't even wanna, you know, reply and follow up on the leads. And this was a pretty high volume business um, in, in heavy equipment. So what ended up happening was, once they started seeing that they could actually close these leads, then they're then they were like, give us more, give us more leads. But you know, some of them weren't really set up for that. That's not what they wanted to do. They wanted to be out and about going, you know, business to business, calling on people. They did not want to be sit taking leads. And so you have to think about how do you set people up for success? How do you structure your sales department? So we're seeing a lot of that too, is how do you structure your sales department? How do you structure your marketing department to have them work well together? Um, or do you just outsource some of the marketing? You know, in other words, you're just getting the lead gen from an outsourced 
um, you know, provider and, and, you know, firm, that's some of what we do. And then, you know, working with sales. But the, the thing is, they have to be in lockstep. You can't think that, and I think a lot of people in the past thought, like you said, sales can do their thing, marketing can do their thing, but they don't really have to combine. And that's not true anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the old thought was the demand gen waterfall where marketing was touching people at the top of the funnel and then they moved to sales. And that's just not true anymore. I'm seeing marketing get involved in uh, every step of the journey, creating collateral for sales to use as these research buyers are wanting to have something that they can ingest on their own. And then uh, customer marketing, especially now with this market, uh, expansions are such a priority right now. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, it's customer satisfaction, right? Then it's, you know, um, you know, land and expand, as they say. I mean, that 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 is very, I mean, I saw this very interesting um, presentation around content, around how we all expect such personalized content. So, in other words, as you're going through your buyer journey, let's just put yourself, you know, you're you're part of a buying committee at a large B2B or even small B2B company. You know, you don't want to read about things that don't, that aren't, germane to you that aren't mm-hmm. part of your use case. You don't want, you want that to be fed to you very, very clearly. You don't want to have to do 50 clicks to find it either. You want it to be easy to find, you know, so setting up industry um, landing pages, setting up words that make sense by industry, using their jargon, using their thing. That is so important. And that didn't exist before. I mean, it was, it was like, here's what we sell. Oh yeah. It's different for you, Mr. Um, you know, industrial company than you, Mr. Tech company, but but we sell it to both of you. Just figure out how you use it. You know, you can't do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think the sales versus marketing used to be, I, I'm not going to say it was encouraged because people did see it as a problem, but it was also a way to encourage each team to perform better. There's so much pressure on each other because you both shared the number. That's so much more toxic now than it used to be because, um, for example, if you add a new product line, the person who knows more about the persona should probably be the marketer who's doing all the research and really embedding themselves in it. And they should be involved in educating sales. You know, I, I'm seeing more and more marketing teams start to absorb enablement. Yeah. And and I think that makes a lot of sense though, for marketing to be very involved in sales enablement because the, the salespeople don't want and shouldn't be the ones creating collateral and creating, um, you know, landing pages on the website and all these things. I mean, they need to be figuring out, you know, helping understand where I think marketing and sales can work really well together is what is that having that close loop where the sales is coming back and saying, here's the objections I'm hearing when I talk to a client, or here's why this one didn't close, or here's what I'm hearing. And then you can take that info and put it back into your information. So you're answering those questions before they come up as an objection. So yes, that's where I think that that would be very helpful as opposed to marketing, just trying to figure out what do you think these clients think? I mean, that's all part of market research, but I think it's so much more important in an actual transaction negotiation. You hear things, right? I mean, that you wouldn't hear just from doing market research, you know, or, and they know also what they're, Clients will tell them what they're thinking about the competitors, what the competitors are saying to them, what what kind of, you know, all of that informs how you present your go-to-market, you know, how you present your website, how you present your materials. So that to me is where they're very, very good to work together. Not that you want sales to be creating the materials, but in some cases we've seen our clients where sales is creating the materials because they don't feel like marketing is giving them what they need or they just don't have that kind of relationship where they can work well enough together, or maybe they just don't have enough resources in marketing because back to that CEO who doesn't think marketing is that important. He's like sales, 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 but they don't have the skill sets to do that, you know, in today's world. They did before, 
you know, where you were just selling, but now that you have to also inform and have all this digital, that's harder for them to do. So let's pick a little bit on marketers because I feel like, yeah. we've, <laughs> uh, just to be fair. So, uh, you know, when I see sales running off and creating their own materials, that really screams to me that there's been a miss on the messaging side and that we're mm -hmm. not picking yeah. up something that we're hearing in the market. Right. So what are some other examples of things that marketers should really focus on right now to help enable the buyer throughout the journey? <laughs> Um, I think for, um, you know, definitely research, you know, talking customer um, interviews, uh, prospect interviews, um, competitive intelligence, like staying on top of what your competitors are saying and not saying how that's changing, um, all, all of that. And really understanding, you know, the other thing I think marketers should really spend a lot of time thinking about is, you know, what are the goals of the organization? Like, what are you trying to do from a business perspective? This is where I think marketing misses it a lot is not, not how many impressions and clicks do you need to get, just how many leads do you need? What's the revenue goal we're shooting for and why? And, and, and is that, again, I come back to like, what's the strategy of, you know, are we trying to put in a new um, set of products or services? Are we trying to expand to a new geographic area? And, and then thinking about all that as you build your, your 2023 plans. I mean, we're thinking about that a lot right now. And, and we always say there is no, there is no tact, there are no tactics without strategy. We don't, we don't think that those, that makes sense. So we're, we, I would tell marketers, take a step back. Like if you don't really know the strategy, take a step back before you just throw too many tactics. Um, because that's when everyone gets frustrated. Sales gets frustrated, marketing gets frustrated, management, you know, CEO gets frustrated if, you know, we're not really meeting the, the management business goals of revenue growth or, um, you know, whatever the goals are, which are primarily growth in this market, or it could be in your case, like you said, it could be hanging on to clients, it could be retention. That could be a goal as opposed to growing new clients. We're just trying to retain the current clients we have. I mean, it all depends on your competitive set, the new competitors coming to the marketplace. We're often working with um, private equity backed, pretty small middle market companies that are in a high growth area. Like they're, they're doing acquisitions. They're, they're going to be a lot larger, like since some and sometimes 10 X what they were the year before wow. in terms of growth, um, revenue, uh, they're doing it through acquisition, also doing it through, um, organic growth. And so we are, we have to really think about what does that look like? Does that, not, that might not be just retaining your clients. That's getting a lot of new clients. So what does that look like? So I tell marketers, you know, and, and, and don't get, the other thing is, you know, I, I think it's important not to fall into that flavor of the month. Like we need to be doing X because everyone's doing X. I mean, go back to the basics and that, that could be, oh, we need to be doing, um, you know, paid, paid search ads with, with some certain, you know, uh, flavor to it. No, I mean, what you need to be doing is figuring out who is your target market. This is basic marketing. Who are your personas? How do they make their decisions? How are you getting in front of them and moving down the funnel? Yeah. And, and that, what's the offer that they can't resist? You just had so many mic drop moments and I loved every, you're speaking <laughs> my language. My, my love language is, is definitely tying everything back to the overall corporate goal. Um, and I think nailing the basics, there are no shortcuts. No, there are none. And I see a lot of people running away from using data to make decisions. It, it is hard in marketing. Um, it's hard to tie your efforts to pipeline and revenue. I understand that, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't do the hard right thing and yeah. and do what you can. So yeah. figuring- And use the technology and the data that you do have, which right. is, is, 
you know, I mean, technology has come a long way. CRMs, marketing automation, um, all the things that are happening right now with dynamic web pages. And, uh, you know, there, there's so much interesting um, technology out there that can give you, you know, a lot to work with and a lot of hypothesis to test and work through. And I think it's wonderful. And I, I say, I, I just think I see people getting, because I think you, you mentioned something about pressure and I, I've started three marketing departments and in all cases, um, you know, the CEO has finally decided to invest or the, the board in marketing. And so then they're just ready for it to be up and running. And you know, don't rush. Don't rush. I mean, don't rush into. I mean, and I see it even with companies that don't have a marketing department where the CEO or the head of sales has been making the marketing um, spend decisions where they're just getting, you know, just to get it off their desk, like, yeah, do that. Yeah, do that thing. But again, it doesn't tie back to a strategy. It doesn't tie back to a KPI. It might tie back to some short-term results, but it, is it is it, are they profitable clients? Are they the kind of clients you want? I mean, just because you're getting leads, are they good leads? Are they qualified leads? I mean, all of these things. I mean, really thinking through that and really setting that up. And it, it's not it's not rocket science. Like you said, it's pretty simple. You just have to spend the time and the effort to do it. And if if no, that's the other thing. I think marketing can show a huge value just by owning that and saying, you know, we're we're going to own the customer journey. We're going to own the personas and we're going to be the ones flying the flag of this is what our customers want. This is what they care about. This is what we need to tell them, and making sure that the whole organization is behind that. Um, and then I think you just start to see growth that way. Oh, I'm going to get a cramp in my neck from nodding so much. This is amazing. <laughs> I love it. Um, so other ways marketing can embrace this and start really evolving, prioritizing your website for a researching buyer, like you said, mm -hmm. really focusing on the keywords that they use, uh, making Speak their language. Yes. Having separate landing pages for different industries. And if you don't have a tool that can auto detect which industry they're in and surface that up, you know, maybe have a built for page that goes through those industries and has content catered to them. But I think underlying all of this seems to be a theme of create the content they actually want to consume. Because right. in the past, I've seen so much keyword stuffing and just trying to get their SEO rankings up. It doesn't keep people engaged. <laughs> just, just I think it comes back to put yourself in the shoes of the potential buyer. I mean, what would you want to read if you were making a decision on, you know, buying X, Y, or Z? I mean, it, it's not, you, you understand. And that's why I come back to really interviewing and trying to get close to, and I think you can do this through sales. You know, I've, I've often even said to, uh, to some CEOs, like, maybe you should consider hiring a salesperson that was in-house at one of your, you know, clients uh, or potential clients so that they understand, you know, how to make this decision, you know, in, in other words, like flipping the tables just so they can come in with a lot of info to give you. I mean, it doesn't always work that way. They're not necessarily salespeople, but I mean, if they're, I mean, that's, that's why a lot of times people will hire from a competitor because then they're like, they know what all the customers are saying at the competitor, you know, um, but understanding your market positioning, I think that's also so important is how are you differentiated? Are you differentiated? If you're not differentiated, then then how can you champion for differentiation in in your service offering or product? Because if it's if it is a widget and it's just a widget, then you don't need to be doing a ton of marketing. Right. Because it's if it's not differentiated, there's no point to market it. Yeah. And yeah. another point I'm going to go back to that you've made that was just so fantastic is getting feedback from sales, mm -hmm. not only getting feedback from sales, but incorporating it into what you're doing and then showing them how you've incorporated incorporated it. And that's the only way to really foster 
really tight collaboration is showing that you value their opinion, you are incorporating it. And then what that often leads to, and I love this, is getting a couple champions in the sales department and being able to give example leads that converted quickly. They kind of gossip. They talk a lot amongst themselves. Mm -hmm. Let's give them some wins and try to nurture uh, focusing on what marketing is putting over the fence. Because, you know, if you're doing it right and you're gaining the things that aren't converting and you're nurturing those things so they turn into things that do convert really well, you're going to have best friends on the sales team, right? Oh, absolutely. It's like I mentioned that story I told before where this was, this was a very, um, this team was very skeptical of, of anything in marketing. There were, there had never been a marketing department at this company. It was a pretty big company. And uh, so they were very skeptical. They're like, but once, once you got a couple of champions, because, you know, they were doing very well from leads that they had gotten, then it, like you said, they become evangelists and really help you um, tell the story to all the sales team. Um, so I think that, you know, just do good work, but start with the, um, you know, customer mindset, start with the personas, start with what matters to them, and then build everything around that. If you, if you do that as your base every day in your work, then I think it, you, you will have converting leads because you are literally providing them what they need to make a decision. It's, it's, it's really, it, it, it's very common sense, you know, like give them all the things that they need to make a decision. They don't feel sold to, they feel educated. They don't, that that's one of the main things I think about the millennials and really kind of any research buyer of any age. And, and because when we, when we went to the model of buying everything on Amazon, I mean, think back to, you know, the 1970s, if you went into a department store, there was a salesperson helping you, you know, helping you pick out the shoes. Now you just order them. No one tells you anything on, you know, when you pick out your shoes, and so we've gotten used to making our decisions on our own. And we feel, I think, uncomfortable sometimes if we feel sold to, even though we probably need that consultative approach in a lot of cases, but it needs to be that consultative approach, that helping you approach, that being completely, I mean, the side-by-side -side comparisons. I mean, when I was in the heavy equipment business, we were like, look, we're going to literally show everything that this piece of heavy equipment, which is all the, every, you know, I'm talking a bulldozer that's a million dollars, you know, that your competitor has. They're just two different OEMs all the way down. Years before, they were like, we would never have done that. We're never going to point out where we have a shortcoming against theirs. We were like, we have to do that because they're going to figure it out anyway. They know this is not a, you know, this is not, we're not going to pull the wool over their eyes. We're just going to show them up front. Here's everything we have. Here's everything they have line by line. You can pair and then you can decide. And we're going to tell you why we think ours might be a better fit for yours. You know, I mean, we're, we're not, you know, but that's our job, but don't hide under that anymore. And that was, I think the way that, a lot of sales used to be handled was just don't ever talk about our competition. Don't ever show, you know, side by side what we would be like, but I don't, I don't, I don't think that works anymore. Is my no, point. no, it really doesn't. And I always think of things in the terms of SNL skits. I just keep thinking of somebody trying to show all the ways you can use a feather duster versus, you know, the person just needs a vacuum for their carpet and it's dirty <laughs> and they're yeah. just, that's what every sales demo feels like to me a lot of times. Right. And what I really want people to start doing on the sales side is asking questions to figure out what exactly is motivating the buyer. Like, what are they trying to solve? What is the, what is the executive team trying to solve? And then focusing on that thing instead of look what I can do. So, yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, uh, I, a long time ago, it was like, instead of, um, you know, solving their pain points, instead of features and benefits, you sell features and benefits. No one cares. Everyone, every product, every service has features and benefits. But when you go with it, with what is your pain point buyer and how does what I have solve? In other words, that personalized approach that I talked about, their industry, their lingo, 
what is their pain and how does how do you solve it? That to me is the, the key that marketing and sales need to be thinking about at all times. If you can articulate how you solve their pain, because they're looking for this because they have pain. They, yeah. they have something that they need to solve. When you solve that, like you said, they you the vacuum cleaner, then they're like, they have an aha moment and, and it gains trust. And sometimes you're solving their pain by just making this process where they've had to go through this RFP process less painful because you're going to give them all the data they need in a very simple to con, you know, consume format. And you're you're not going to hide behind anything. You're not going to, you know, you're just going to say, here's everything and here's how we compare. And then you become the easy one to work with and, and hopefully you win. You know, I mean, it, it's it's so industry specific and I would say price point specific. If you're selling a high volume, low cost product or service, that's very different than if you're selling. You oh, know, yeah, yeah. Then feature very away. large. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, with, and we have a lot of clients that have low volume that they sell, you know, they might only do 10 deals a year, but they're big deals. Right. And, but they still need to be doing marketing to find those, those 10 deals a year. Um, but uh, then we have clients selling, you know, that have 50,000 customers in their database, literally 50,000. If they're selling something to at all times in any given year, and that's very, those are two very different, you know, use cases of how to set up marketing and how to set up your website and how to set up your your tactics and, but it's fun to figure out, you know, what you need to be doing. And, and I think that that, again, it comes back to don't one size does not fit all in sales and one size does not fit all in marketing, but just pivot also with the change, you know, realize that just, and, and I saw this happen and I was happy to see it. Like those, some of those salespeople, like I mentioned to you earlier that have been there 30 years that were very skeptical. They did embrace it. Once they saw that this is the way that they, they were like, come on, let's do this thing. Let's, let's make our website. Great. Let's have all this information. Let's, you know, we want the leads coming in. If we can find them on Facebook, if that's where our customer is hanging out, that's what they're looking at. We're going to put, we're going to put the information on Facebook, you know, whatever it is. I mean, that's an example, but before yeah. that they were like, Oh, you know, just coming, coming with the, Oh, our, our potential customers would never be looking on social media to think about their heavy equipment. It's like, but yet they did look, here's a lead. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, silly, silly. I, I mean, I think the silliest objection I hear is, well, if you provide them everything they need online, they're not going to ask for a demo. And I'm like, oh, oh, my friend, you're missing the point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if we can demonstrate that we understand their problem, you are absolutely going to get the demo. <laughs> you're, you're completely going to get the demo. You're going to yeah. get the demo so quickly because yes. they're going to be like, wait, I'm not even going to look at these other 10. I mean, I don't know. I think that's also part of it. If I come back to putting ourselves in, in their shoes, I mean, we all buy things too. I mean, just think about the buyer journey that we go through. Do you like to be frustrated? Do you like to have to hunt and peck to find your the things? No, you don't like it. No one wants to waste time. We're very impatient right now. We want everything instantly. And um, you know, going through that that process to think through what your customer is going to have to decide and, and what they care about, making it easy for them. I mean, that, that's why I think UX is becoming more and more important. Oh yeah, because. You know, I don't, again, before it's like, people don't really care how the website is set up. It's like, ah, whatever the information's there. It doesn't really matter what the journey looks like, but now it does. And that, that again comes from, I mean, in B2B, I mean, it's always mattered in B2C, but in B2B, it's becoming so much more important. Even I didn't really, I, even I didn't really believe the importance of that. Even like a year ago, I was like, oh, you know, and now I am seeing it really does matter. Yeah, no, we're going through an ever evolving Yes, I'm experiencing that right now where I realize, oh, well, I was doing what B2B used to do, and that doesn't make sense anymore. We need to yeah. figure out the labels, the, the terms, the the concepts that really resonate with our particular personas and structure it that way instead of 
mirroring what's normal because we used to think if it's it's something they're used to seeing then they know where to navigate we just can't make that assumption anymore yeah yeah i mean it, it's it's very interesting mm -hmm, mm -hmm. let me your consultancy it's so lucky to have you thank you for being oh, on well, the show i appreciate it can you tell appreciate us it. but that's the, that's the really fun part about what we do is you know every day i feel like we we, we primarily work with ceos and business owners um, because most of our um, clients don't have a, a sophisticated marketing department or a marketing department at all, or, you know, a very limited sales department. Again, these are these are middle market companies that are growing with investors backing them. Um, so it's so fun for us to, to come in and, and help them peel back the onion of, of what we just talked about, like, who are your customers personas? How do you go to market? And then to start to see it implemented. It's, it's so, uh, you know, which is maybe different than your world in tech, where you guys have had sophisticated marketing in, you know, for years and years, and then you're just having to pivot. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think there's a huge difference there. I, I used to see a ton of feature spewing and then word salad and, you know, trying to sound like the shiniest, most sophisticated thing. I think we're just discovering it, it, that doesn't work. And you really have to focus on problem solving and psychology, which is so fun. Which has uh, always been marketing, it. right? That's always mm -hmm. been marketing, particularly in B2C. I think that's what's very interesting because my partner comes from B2C. I come from B2B. And so she's been in this world for many, many years of thinking of the psychology of a buyer, um, you know, and I haven't as much. And so it is really fun to see, um, you know, how do we do this in B2B and how do we, uh, how, do, how do we have the, the correct content, you know, right content, right time, right place, you know. Um, right number of times to touch them before, you know, frequency before they they start to remember you and think of you for, for certain things. And um, I, we really like it. So uh, I think it's fun work. Oh, I love it. So where can people find you online to network? Yeah, so we're on LinkedIn, um, uh, uh, Libby Covington on LinkedIn at Craig Group. And then our, our, our website is craigmarketinggroup.com. Well, Thanks for listening out there. If you yes. enjoy the show, please rate, review, subscribe, tell two friends. It does make a difference. And for those of you looking for more great content like this, check out calibermind.com.